gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Becoming Med podcast. I'm your host, Ray Delanues, and this is the podcast for good men who want to live epic lives. I show up every week with legendary guests who help me bring you some of the best content out there on masculinity. This week's episode is brought to you by MasterMyPurpose.com. If you want to clarify your God-given purpose, master the skills of some of the world's most dangerous and successful and purpose-driven men, and if you want to start marching in the right direction right now, then make sure that you head over to MasterMyPurpose.com for your free 21-day guide to a purpose-driven year. Join the army of men who are marching in a new direction and new purpose. Again, that's MasterMyPurpose.com. If you want to help us change the lives of men around the world, then you can do that right now by heading over to iTunes and leaving us an honest review. I really appreciate you guys who are taking the time to do that. And if you haven't done so, I invite you to do that today. My guest this week is Blaine Eldridge. Blaine is a fellow podcaster and a writer with a deep and passionate desire to see people thrive. He's a co-founder of the And Sons Magazine and the And Sons Podcast. And that podcast has over 1 million downloads and continues to impact and change the lives of men around the world. Today, he's hosting the Mount Vigil Podcast, and we actually talk about his thoughts and heart and desire for that project. Blaine and I sit down today and discuss the importance of understanding the times that we're in, the seasons that we're in, so that we can better partner with Jesus and thrive in them. Gentlemen, enjoy this week's show. Blaine, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, man. Hey, it is good to be with you again. Thank you for having me. Well, really having you again. You were on in way, way, way in the beginning when this podcast had a different, different name. I mean, like I've literally changed name twice since you've been on. So Thanks so much for being a repeat guest. I, I want to say you're actually the first repeat guest on the podcast. Please go ahead and just feel the honor that comes with that, man. I will send your plaque in the mail. I'm going to put that on my wall, man. You've had some amazing guests on this podcast, so I do feel honored. Well, I've had your dad on the podcast, so absolutely an amazing guest and a great champion and general I see in the faith. And man, but really... What I have you on here today to talk about is a new project, something else that you stepped into after kind of maybe closing the book and maybe starting a new chapter after and sons. So actually, why don't you go ahead and brief us a little bit on that transition? What happened in your heart, in your mind that caused this shift? That is a great question, Ray. Way to go right for the throat. There are two answers to that question. And the first would be the answer to the question, what do you do when the story that you have been telling yourself about your life falls apart? And the other question would be, what do you do when you begin to believe what you're saying and you'd give anything to be a part of something that Jesus was in? I'll take those in order. I know that you often ask, you know, men on your podcast, what would they say to their younger selves. I would say if I were with younger Blaine is one of the ways to approach kind of what happened. I would love to say to 23-year-old Blaine who had just become married, hey, just so you know, a decade from now, most of the people you want to love and validate you will not ever. And yet, you're going to be okay. So when the pain comes, it will be worth it to you to push in and discover what your motives are. And so I spent 10 years and it really was fun working with my brother, building and sons, talking about the way of the soul, the young men. And then in the way that can happen, this deep unease began at the end of my 20s, where I felt basically completely at odds with the life I was living. I lived in one of the suburban neighborhoods in my city that people really wanted to live in, multiple playgrounds that we could walk to, a really cute elementary school. One of my best friends was my next door neighbor, and I couldn't understand why I didn't like it at all. I couldn't understand why some of the work that I was doing had started to feel so unsatisfying. God 
began a rescue that hurt. I think that rescue was my brother, my wife, a few people in my world needing to have real conversations with me about what it was like to be with me, what it felt like, because they would say, when the pressure is on Blaine, you will work hard and try to figure out the appropriate thing to do and do it. But your heart isn't in it. And it actually creates more distance between you and the people that you love and does harm. And so that opened, you know, a journey that took a year was just like, how did I learn to value the things that I value now? And I think that it was embarrassing at first for me to acknowledge the deep, deep desire to be in one of the insiders, someone who was chosen and validated and in whatever it was, but it was basically impossible for me knowing the extent of my own shortcomings to believe that I was the kind of person Jesus would pick to do anything. Kind of be like, Jesus only picks exceptional people. When that began to like fall apart, I was able to own it. And I went to counseling and I started to have those conversations and invited people to be witnesses and look for, man, well, Jesus, what is the step now that this rescue is taking place? I knew fairly early on that I was going to move. And I knew that I would probably leave my dream job, which was working with my dad. It took, you know, my wife, she was ready years earlier to sell our house in the city. But I was like, babe, this house is the best thing we have going for us. This is a cash cow. If we let this thing go, we are moronic. We did. I kept asking Jesus to tell us where to go. And he kept telling me, sell, and I will tell you where to go. I'm getting into the weeds here, but I really realized and I knew that I wanted Jesus to make it so clear to me what I should do that all of the difficulties were his fault. I would have heard in community and I would have received signs from the heavens and it would have been so clear that when I told the story to my friends, they would agree what I did was the right thing and the pain was therefore God's fault. It was like, oh, there's that. I'm self-protecting. Okay. I'm not going to do that. And I see your invitation, God, and I can't keep living here. So we're going to list. And I have no idea. I really hope we don't have to live in the back of our car. It's not large. That was one thing. The other thing was that one of my good friends, you know, over the past several years, we were watching what was happening to the world. And this goes back before 2020. We were watching the spiritual and the sacred creep back into popular culture. We learned that professional witchcraft was one of the fastest growing religious segments in the U.S. We saw these tremors of something that we thought was going to be hugely significant. And oh my goodness, has it begun to be? And we simply started asking ourselves the question, how do we support our people and how do we partner with Jesus in a situation that's going to look new? It's going to look unique. We took a journey to figure that out. I've told this story a couple of times, but I know I'm monologuing here. I'll tell the story and then I'll wind down. But it would be that what I saw was a situation that I think is sort of best represented by something that happened in the history of Japan. For you, you fans of Japanese history, you know that in the 17th century, a warlord consolidated Japan. It's a very, very cool backstory for anyone who likes military history, how Japan ended the Warring States period. But that warlord closed the island. It's amazing. That's a thing you can do when your nation is an island the size of Japan and succeeded in keeping it closed for 200 years. And then this famous event that sort of shapes parts of that imagination into the present day took place where 
you can imagine the lookouts in Nagasaki Harbor watching the ocean. You can imagine the message beginning to go out when they see something coming in off the water. And the ships that are coming in are going to get a name. They'll be called the Black Fleet. And what they don't know is that it's Commodore Perry and that the world has changed and the power dynamics have changed. And Japan is about to be open for business. Japan has missed the Industrial Revolution. They've missed the Enlightenment. They've missed Marxism, the French Revolution, the American Revolution. And there are these Japanese officials, predominantly men, watching these modern warships roll into the harbor going, oh my gosh, what did we miss? I think that the church in the West is in the position of the Japanese on the banks of, on the shore of Nagasaki Harbor. And I think that the gunships that are rolling in is the resacralized world, is the real system of the Antichrist, which is a huge rabbit trail, but it's not what most people think it is. It is the powers who are going for it, who are really making a bid to get on the throne of God. And what the church, mostly in the West, did was cut itself off from the rest of the spiritual world, the ancient ways of encountering Jesus, its own history, a clear view of the mission and work of Jesus. And now I really do think that the position of the people of God, especially here in the United States, especially in the Western world, is go to the well, get back the ancient way, do the equivalent of adapting or get steamrolled by a very, very hard time that most of us do not have the character to endure. And so is that what you mean when you'd say, I heard you say this on your podcast, like we're at this inflection point. Yes. Yes. Thank you. I realized I didn't even say. So in most disciplines, it's so fascinating to watch. There's a mathematical study of history called Cleodynamics, and it was sort of pioneered by, you know, first generation immigrant Peter Turchin. He realized that you could apply the science of ecosystems, boom and bust, prey, predator cycles to the cycles of civilizations. He called them secular cycles. You know, the old word secular goes back to the Latin cyculum, and it just means an age. And he saw that there were, in terms of resources, the number of elite people in a civilization, some other odd random factors that are very interesting that you could kind of predict the rise and fall generally of civilizations. So years in advance, he called 2020 and he said, we are on the verge of one of the downturns. And what's going to make it significant is that the end of an age in his model is lining up with the end of secular short cycles, these generational cycles, basically that Western civilization is is hitting the rocks Now, that's one discipline. You track around into sociology and social cycles theory. And these other stories that I think are interesting. But I think that the only thing most people who are paying attention need is to have their intuition validated to go, do you think that something really unique is happening? Does it does it seem like the pressures on people have gotten worse and people are interested in politics, call it increased polarization. People are interested in sociology, you know, call it the fourth generational turning or succession or some such thing. But I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. In the story of God, the Bible testifies to the fact that every so often God does lift the restraints that separate one nation from another that happens when Persia comes to destroy Babylon. He does blow on the nations and they wither. 
he does shake the systems of the world. I mean, there's so many different ways of phrasing it, but to go in the story of salvation, not all moments are the same. The incarnation of Jesus followed a 400 year period of kind of a silent holding pattern. The Babylonian exile came after a ruthless descent into madness in the kingdom period. There are moments when the systems of this world are shaken directly by God. And I believe God allows them to be shaken so that many people would turn and be saved. So I am absolutely convinced that we are beginning to live into a season of shaking and that it will not be short. Now, like all Christians, I hope the return of Jesus is soon. And assuming it isn't, the platform that Anthony and I are building right now, which is called Mount Vigil, is a resourcing hub to equip people to partner with Jesus in an inflection point in a unique and hard time. And you have said that, just put, laid it out perfectly. I hope every single listener is really tracking on the path you've really laid down here because when we're looking at what's happening around the world and wondering why things are going so mad, why we can look across borders into other countries and there's madness there and there's madness at home. We're like, what is going on with the world for the last two years? And we're looking for answers. Actually, people that aren't even spiritual are looking for answers and they almost like turn spiritual because there's like, there's no other explanation. (laughs) It's almost like you almost reason your way into the fact that there is a spiritual thing going on because it is just that intense that the only way that you can possibly deny that this is a move that involves God is by shoving yourself under a rock and just not paying attention to anything. But before we press forward, I do just want to honor something real quick that you said earlier on. And then we'll work our way back to where we are right now. Because as I saw the close of what you were doing with Ansons, I began to tremble. (laughs) I had to kind of take a personal account of what is going on internally and why that move that you guys made after, you know, you had like 200 and something episodes. And it's not like just a few people were tuning in, like you had over a million downloads. So that's over a million times that people said yes to you and they tagged along and they just wanted to get close to the heart of Jesus and know what God was calling them to on the masculine journey. And then I look at myself and I'm recording, you know, somewhere around the hundredth episode. And I'm like, wait a minute, is this also going to come to a close too? And I'm almost looking at my efforts and everything that I have to put into what I'm doing today, right? Like all of the logistics, all of the work, all of the, yeah, the energy that this takes to make this podcast happen and think that at one day, God may actually ask me to lay this on the altar. And I just questioned whether I would actually have the same amount of faith that you did. (laughs) I really appreciate the fact that you were so vulnerable in sharing how that transition happened. I applaud you for that. And I definitely see your struggle and knowing that like when God said, Hey, (laughs) there's a move, there's a transition. And he capped it off with the, Hey, sell that house. And I'll tell you where you're going next. Cause I'm about to rock your world. And you guys did it, man. You did it. And it's just like one faithful move after the next, after the next, and you're doing it. I'm just, Again, I would do a standing ovation right now if we were in person and we had a crowd with us. And then just really being aware, right? You and Anthony being awake to the things that are happening in the world and saying, okay, well, God has me in this space right now where it's about him and about what he wants to do. And I see a gifting and I hope that's how you guys see it because man, you and Anthony are extremely gifted at what you're doing. I see a gifting in me and a, a calling in the church right now, or a, a desire in the church, a hunger in the church. And I think we can meet that need. And again, you guys came in clutch to deliver on that. And man, I'll just go ahead and say this. I have became the expert of listening, self-acclaimed, by the way, guys, I'm the expert of listening to audiobooks and podcasts. I am now up to 2X. I will put any podcast or any audiobook out there on 2X. And the reason why I do it is because Number one time, I have three children, ages six, four, oh, no, seven, five, and three. They just turned age, right? And then number two, it forces me to pay attention to the content and I can't drift. My mind can't drift. I have to stay close to the content. And I'll tell you what, 
as soon as I started to listen to the podcast, I was like, okay, no, hold on. I need to start over. Okay. Rewind, rewind to the point where I just said, okay, this is a podcast I must listen to at one X. So I'll just let you know, you are the only resource I listen to at one X because it's just so profound and so deep that I do not want to miss a second of what you guys are doing. And I hope that's enough listener. I hope that's enough to encourage you to go ahead and check out the Mount Vigil podcast, subscribe, and just get that into your routine. Like you explained, man, this is coming at a point where you're watching what's happening in the world. And you mentioned something about the spiritual and the sacred coming together. And I kind of want you to elaborate on that a little bit more. And then I want to roll into some of this language that you guys have used also with the, the end of a time and what that means. First of all, Ray, thank you. Those words land for me. I'm grateful, so grateful to get that report from a man of caliber. I love your reflection on the work that you're doing right now, which has grown substantially since the last time we were together and is really good. And then you sort of reflecting on, wow, what would I do if God were to ask for this? I love that question because you know that he is going to. And it's such a productive question to go, before I answer, I would just love if you would speak to one thing, which is knowing that God is going to ask you eventually to walk away from the work that you're doing right now. What emotions and thoughts do come up? I think that one of the things is, since that's a guarantee, what are some of the first things that come to mind for how you would like to live in view of that fact? That's a much better question. How I would like to live in view of it is different than the initial emotions that might come from it. Because initially, I might actually feel like, well, no, I surely... I'm in it for the long game. I'm in it to win it, Lord. Like I am going to see this podcast reach into the thousands of episodes. Of course, that's what you're calling me to. (laughs) But how I would like to live knowing that information, it's really going back to why I started the podcast. And maybe that actually points to the fact that there was maybe a change or a degradation of the foundation of this podcast. And it was this, right? I started this podcast telling myself, As I sat in a little room with a little cheap microphone that I bought off of eBay and said, all right, Lord, I am trusting that you spoke to me to do this and that it's not about the 100 men, the 1000 or the 10,000. It's about the one. And you just called me to talk to the one. And so if there's one guy listening, then that was enough. Mm. But I say degradation because I know, although I say it enough and I coach men through this, right? Like, don't care about what anybody else says. Like, it's not about the external. Hey, I know how many downloads I get in a week or in a month, right? I see the little, the big inflections and the drops. And I'm like, oh, well, that episode didn't hit as well as I wanted it to, right? And so then I start making it about numbers instead of going back to the just one, right? The way I would like to live is knowing that information is going back to the foundation that I had set, the promise I had made for to myself and saying, hey, it's about the one and I'm going to continue to show up every single week faithfully until you tell me that I'm done. Because ultimately you just called me to be a fisher and you're the one who's transforming. <laughs> you're the maker. When my job is done, I get to hang up the hat and just continue. That's good stuff. That is good stuff. Whether it makes it into the edit or not, we were just interrupted by one of your awesome kids. And My kids, for me, I've got five and one, almost two. They do that work for me too, where maybe something happens at the front end of the 30s, I think, where I start to think about these things a lot. But as with the Ensign's platform, as with these projects, I look at my kids and go, eventually, I will be gone. I am going to very shortly, you know, within decades, begin phasing out of your day-to-day existence. So what do I want to do? And your answer sort of nails it, which would be, I want to show up where God gives me the ability to show up in their daily. And then one day it will look different, but endings are so valuable, man. I want to track over because, you know, you're asking questions about stuff that I really like to talk about. So you asked about 
end times and you asked about end of an age. I'm not sure what it's like in your world, but in my world, it's very hard to talk to Christians or anyone else about the end times. Oh, absolutely. Because everyone has end times trauma, man, where we saw too many sermons, too many preachers of a certain strain laid out the timeline from the book of Revelation. It was so weird. It was so weird. I think that one of the reasons that at the core of the platform we're doing right now is teaching out of the Bible and interpreting in the consensus of the church, the story of God is that the whole thing really does make sense. There are through lines that account for otherwise bizarre, bizarre events, but you need the whole story. And so when we try to have a conversation with people, when we told our friends that we were going to start a platform to help for the church, for the end times, reaction was almost universally negative. We had to learn how to approach people in a way that did not terrify them to go, listen, I know this topic has done harm. The problem is you see it happening and Jesus really does want it to go well for you. He really cares about what happens to your humanity. He, he cares about what happens to you. Not on the level of post-apocalypses and starvation, but on the pressure on the soul right now. Most of my friends feel like they are fighting a prevailing headwind right now. The consensus and man, listeners, if this is not the case in your world, thank God. I am so happy. Most of the people I know, life is taking more energy than it used to. And the pressures of despair, hatred, depression, fear are exerting an absolutely caustic influence. And if that's true, man, it would just kind of do well to see what's available in the way of Jesus. So I like to say, listen, okay, I don't have to convince someone that we're living at the end times. I think that, and I do tell people that, and then I do want us to learn together how to interpret that. But I would say, let's just say we're living at a significant time because something that definitely happens is that the end times are a distillation of time. So everything that's true Monday to Friday is still true, just only more so. The way of Jesus does not change at the end of the world. Our job is to double down on it. Some people know that in our church, we have a pretty exceptional crisis response team, community support team. And they think that the first thing we're going to teach is combat. We're going to take from the military. We're going to apply tourniquets. And we go, yeah, we may get there. We need to start with your direct experience of and your ability to receive the love of God. Sometimes people lose interest at that moment because I go, listen, we become like the people we have attached to in love. And the goal of the Christian life is to directly experience Jesus, attached to Jesus deeply in love. And that's how we take on his nature. That's how we get the provision that we need. So we sort of start our end time strategy with basic spiritual practices of slowing down and spiritual disciplines and engaging beauty and beholding Jesus in these things. And then, you know, operating our end times thing, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Do you dream of being known as a resilient and confident Christian man? Maybe you've even wished that you would finally become more faithful and disciplined, but after trying so damn hard, you still don't see any lasting change. So you feel discouraged and ashamed. And I get that because that was me more than eight years ago. But I can tell you right now that one of the things that's going to help you become the man that God created you to be is by getting a life coach, somebody who's going to be in your corner and walking with you along the way. And because I understand the transformative power of a virtual life coach, I want to offer you a free session right now on me. All you have to do is head over to thebecomingmen.com forward slash coaching. Again, that's thebecomingmen.com forward slash coaching predictable things do happen at the end times. 
To know what those are, let's review the story of God. Most people think that humanity has a sin problem. There are demons out there and it's all kind of confusing, but Jesus addressed the sin problem. And then in the spiritual disciplines, we crucify the flesh and then one day we die, which is not totally wrong, but it's helpful to now go, okay, listen, the consistent picture in the Bible is a descent into madness. Adam is not called the father of sinners. That gets applied to Cain. Adam brings death to the world. The world has a death problem and has ceded some authority to these depraved spiritual powers. But it's about to get a lot worse because then we become intimately, I mean, for you philosophy nerds, we become ontologically connected to sin, a violent and corrupt and destructive nature. That happens next. The descent into madness continues where the Nephilim thing happens, the Tower of Babel thing happens, and the nations are set under the power of violent and destructive rebellious spiritual powers, fallen angels, members of the host of heaven who defected. Not a good plan, by the way, you guys. Jesus is addressing those in reverse order, right? Where we go, the work of Christ on the cross cleanses humanity. When you put your hand up to be included, it addresses sin. The work of the church reverses the dispossession of the nations where we go and we start taking ground back from the powers of the world and establishing the reign of Jesus. And where the kingdom of God is, we have foretastes of the elimination of death because we live life by the spirit and we get to see miracles and we actually get the life-giving power of God. Like we get to partner with Jesus. It's amazing. And we are anticipating a moment where... Jesus returns and death is done away with forever. The kind of practice for the followers of Jesus, for Christians, as it relates to, hey, you're at the end times. Okay, man, you don't want to talk about it that way. Well, would you be willing to say a significant time? You don't like the phrase end of the age. Could we talk about the end of an age? And could we say that there are going to be unique pressures on people and that there's more available in God for the mission of Jesus. Great. Well, let's have that conversation, orient ourselves to the work of Jesus, and then find a way where we don't actually strive, we don't freak out, we don't go into hyper arousal. As the love of many is growing cold, we're actually finding rest for our soul. And I think that's right there is what is so foundational about what you guys do because you are trying to provide a way that people can live and thrive as the whole world is doing its thing, right? We can't be surprised when the world is being the world. And we can actually admit that a lot of life right now does feel like we're fighting that prevailing headwind. You're absolutely right, man. And I think that a lot of people do have a problem with just outright saying, yeah, end times. I almost kind of doesn't just roll off my tongue like that is absolute truth. I feel like it's almost like I want to be more knowledgeable in this to understand that this is, if not the beginning of the end times. Well, actually, no, hold on. Theologically speaking, the end times started when Jesus rose if I'm not mistaken. So we are in the end times regardless, but I think- No, you, yeah, you're, you're correct. They usually, yeah, I'm ahead. sorry, I interrupt. That is correct. The ascension of Jesus inaugurates in the view of the apostles, the end times. So we're in it, but keep going. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Exactly. So we are in the end times, but I think what we're all picturing is exactly what you start off with is like, we were wounded with this thought that the end time means- all of the apocalyptic stuff from, you know, some crazy either movies or depictions that you've seen. And you're like, there's going to be zombies or something like, I, I don't know. Right. So maybe the ignorance keeps us from understanding and reading the times, man, when we can just wake up to say there is, we're supposed to be very aware. Okay. We're supposed to be very intelligent about what's going on so that we can continue to thrive. Although the world is going bonkers. Dude, that is so well put. A couple things, and it would be for most people, and there are a lot of reasons for this, but they go, yeah, so after the ascension of Jesus, we entered the end times and the mission of the church looked like faithfully suffering, praying to overthrow spiritual powers, loving neighbor, roping people into the family of God. And then right before Jesus comes back, crazy 
wasps with weird heads and sword mouths are going to come. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and there's right. There's no connection there. People are like, it's going to get crazy. And I just like to tell people it's crazy right now. I do like to put my cards on the table and uh, sometimes and just row people in and go, okay, I want you to tell someone who lived a decade ago, hey, in 10 years, there's going to be a deadly but largely survivable pandemic. There's not going to be a major effort to treat it. There will be, in most cases, no sort of medical procedures to actually treat the symptoms of the illness. Instead, the entire human race will be required to receive a medical treatment in order to remain in the systems of the world. People would think you had lost your mind. <laughs> there's just, there's a little bit of a humanity is adaptable. And that is a great gift. And it is a weakness. The reason that humanity is adaptable is great. I mean, people can endure throw down fights with their spouse and yet forgive each other and be okay. However, that same ability causes many people to stay in terrible, violent, abusive relationships and never know that it's happening, right? Oh yeah, there are abusive relationships, but I'm not in one. And I say, humanity, you are adaptable. Good for you. You're doing a good job surviving everyone. Your ability to survive is making it hard for you to understand the absolute lunacy of your moment. If, you know, if we were to talk about, I would sort of sum up the images in Revelation and go, all right, the oppositional powers in Revelation, all of the powers who are opposed to Christ still want to get on the throne of God, which means they want to control the whole world. There's a consistent picture, and this is somewhat reflected in the battle at the Mount of Assembly, Harmoed, Armageddon, and Revelation. But like, hey, at the end, it probably won't surprise you that they're really, really going to make a last ditch, throw everything they have effort to get that done. Doesn't that seem like the kind of thing that would be happening? And I think that's happening right now. I think that people are seeing that the future is uncertain and they're going all in for their chosen salvation strategy. If they want human governments to manage every part of human life, they are going, no, it makes sense. It doesn't matter if there are detractors. This is the only way to save the world. We have to do this. The time is now. And they're going for it. If you are a kind of, you exclusively value the freedom of the individual, man, there's not a lot of room for the Great Commission in that. But you're going to say, yep, I stocked up my basement. I've got plenty of ammunition, plenty of food. And if my neighbors try to come, well, hard on them. And I'm, go <laughs> I'm going to get through this thing with the best picture of independence I have. And be like, listen, hey, both all of you parties, and I just named two. Many of the things that you want are good. And many of the things that you value are virtuous. Come into the way of Jesus because the church is being revealed right now. And I think that we kind of get an opportunity to go all in for the salvation of many before the clock hits zero. And that I think, and that looks like, I hope, revival. That looks like, I hope, miracles. That looks like the restoration of the hearts of many people and families and relationships. And the way into that has been laid out to us by our ancestors in the faith. We don't have to invent the way. We just find it and then do it. I think that's so true, man. You just find it and do it. And it's almost like I have to get myself back to square one when I'm thinking about what's coming next and thinking like, what are people going to do? What are we going to do in trying to have more hope about what it might look like? And I think whenever I envision what society might look like or what even just my family, like what are we going to do if, if more is required of us? Like we're going to, we're going to figure it out. And as long as we are foundationally plugged into the right system, which for us, it's Jesus, right? As long as we're plugged into Jesus, yes. we're going to get through this. We're going to figure it out. And we're not just going to make it by the, like the seat of our pants, right? Like we're not just going to make it in. We're like, no, we're going to march in, in victory and show up and get it done. Maybe this relates to what we were talking 
about offline, we were discussing the fact that there was no class in school that showed you how to <laughs> shoot a fox with a recurve bow after it had just attacked one of your animals. But you know what? Something in you was stirred up. You woke up, you sprung to action. You took care of what you needed to take care of with vigor and with strength, with zeal, because you needed to protect your own and you were awake, right? You were aware of what needed to happen. You took aggressive action and now you and yours are thriving (laughs) and continue to live. And I think if more of us clung to that rather than the passive approach of just, well, somebody else is going to figure out my problem, right? Oh no, a possibly rabid fox just attacked my livestock. Well, my pastor will probably have an answer for this. Let me give him a call. (laughs) I love what you're saying. And I would, my encouragement to the guys who are with us here in this conversation would be, listen, I think the hysterical thing about the fighting a rabid fox story I would say, guys, the takeaway there is that you will fit in the life that God is giving you to live. It is in your nature to do the things God is giving you to do. There are so many things that I've tried to do that I can't and have failed at. And stoning a fox with an arrow, it did feel cool. And my church friends, they were impressed. I also wanted to tell them, Do you know how much of my boyhood I spent rehearsing that moment, running through the woods, horsing around with bows and arrows? Like I didn't do that because I didn't go do training that I thought would be relevant, you know, just important basic life skills. I did that because that was the kind of thing that I've always loved to do. And so I think that there are these elements, right, of like follow the way of the heart at the end of an age. Don't try to think your way out of this one, guys. It's just not possible. The situation is too complicated. And then I love sharing data on the life of the heart. And I'd love to hear from you, Ray, on what are a few of the things that are working? The people around us are losing their minds. I do not think they are going to stop losing their minds Where are you finding rest for your soul in the middle of the madness right now? What's working? Man, what a good question. And I think whenever it comes to something so important, just like this question, you know, and and what's at stake here, you almost feel like you have to come in with this crazy formula or answer to the question that like nobody else thought of. And I could just write a book on it. And it's like, man, I, I would have never thought of that. That was so complex. It's always the simple things really that get me back to center. And one of the things that have been working for me and that I have found myself doing more often lately, and I'm happy that I am more often lately than in the last two years is pausing in the middle of a, what could be anxious moment and just asking God, what are you saying here? Two things happen. One, yes, I either hear nothing. And I just need to wait longer. But because I also have ADD, I sometimes I I forget that I even asked a question (laughs) or two, I hear an immediate answer. And either way, I'm satisfied, right? So either I had to wait and I get an answer or I get that immediate answer. And more often than not, I hear God saying things that are not in riddles. You know, he's not giving me another riddle for me to go out and solve. He's just kind of giving me quick reassurance that does not solve everything. He's not telling me, well, Ray, I'm actually going to move in X, Y, and Z, and this is what's going to happen. And then all will come together. He's just saying, literally, this is what I've been hearing. The same thing. So you almost feel like that must not be God. That must be the bad tacos. No, to me, every single time I've asked this question to God over the last three weeks, his answer has been, I will bless this. I will bless this. And I'm like, well, (laughs) it must be the right direction. (laughs) I'm just going to continue to move and continue to press in and continue to choose faith rather than looking at what the world is trying to tell me is the case about my situation, my family, my own, and what's going to happen in my life. That is a fantastic answer. I just want to put on a billboard, you know, what you said. uh, I share the desire to find the unicorn the magic bullet, the thing that no one else found that I can write a book about and say, hey, listen, there I have hacked the spiritual life. It doesn't work that way, right? The material is available and it actually is exceptional. And so, you know, when my friends tell me, 
you're really under it. Have you considered taking a walk? I want to come back with like, you think that a walk can solve the incredible intellectual and spiritual problems of my life right now? You must be out of your mind. I need something unbelievably new. And then I'll sort of maybe storm out the front door and take a lap around the property and go, hey, man, this feels pretty good. Hey, like <laughs> not worrying about tomorrow feels really good for 10 minutes. And I love to, I'll add where, because I ask God about the future a lot. I want to help people live into it. And it's frustrating to me how little he'll say. I'll ask for details, right? Like, what is society going to look like in a year so that I can know how to do? And I'll ask him, should I put up another greenhouse? Jesus will be like, well, that's not an unwise thing to do. I mean, greenhouses are good for farms, but it's, <laughs> that's not directly related to the shape of the world. I'm like, oh yeah, you really are not tasking me to account for all things. And I'll get out, I'll take a walk, praying something very simple, like Jesus help. And in the course of doing that, we'll be reminded that there are a couple things in front of me that are accessible and that will work if I'll double down on them. Sort of like, man, listen, if, if you'll eat a diverse diet and stay hydrated, yeah, you'll probably feel good most days. I think that a lot of the spiritual life is like that. It's just that simple things are always really, really complex and hard to do. You know, just to get back to the conversation, maybe we're all looking for a moment to come alive and to be the hero in the story. Maybe we're all waiting for the moment to, okay, this is that moment where we're going to change the course of at least if not history, right? Like we're going to change the course of at least my family's legacy. And I'm going to do this right now in this Kairos moment. And man, again, I just, I'm so grateful that a resource like Mount Vigil exists. And I'm really, I'm in your corner, just like applauding you guys and just cheering you guys on as you continue to press into what God is saying for this age so that you can bring the simplicity of Jesus, which is the key to what's going on in this time. And so that you can bring people, offer them this solution that had always been there, the simple solution that had always been there so that they themselves can lead their families into that legacy. And I think that's why I was so interested to get you on to talk about this because as men, I feel like that is a huge calling on our lives, especially when I'm looking at my seven, five and three-year-old now. And I'm like, okay, I now need to lead and disciple these children, but I'm actually being triggered when I listen to the Trinity episode <laughs> that you guys recently did. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how little oh, do you I made know? It that one. <laughs> oh yeah, man. I'm telling you, I could not two X that one. That was, <laughs> that was a one Xer for sure. Oh man. Right. Thank you so much. I really am honored and strengthened by your words. I think sort of the one thing I would add here in the conversation, because you know what you said is exactly right. The desire to do something great and then sort of the way of the soul and attention to your family. And I would add, we do need you to do something great, but it will be born out of your union with Christ and it will be born out of love, which gets me like sort of all the way down to Mount Vigil. We want to align people to Jesus. Like I think that if I were to put it in order, I would say we want to validate people and help them understand that they aren't crazy. Mm. Oh yeah. You're seeing the role for part. It is definitely. Here's a little language to talk about that. I think that believe that we are near a turning point in the story of salvation. I really hope we're near the return of Jesus. And then say, now the way of Jesus begins with like, here are ways to actually experience the love of God. And they'll blow your mind. If you've never engaged imaginative prayer, contemplative prayer, it will blow your mind. If you've never engaged the power of ritual, the rituals of the Christian church to change reality, you'll really like that. It's really awesome of prayer to get stuff done. And then on into sort of, as your heart comes alive, what do you want to do? And which is to say, you want to do something great? Yes, we need you to, you know, I do want people to know, man, what it will look different based on the life of your heart. What comes out 
to do the work of the preservation of the church as a prophetic image, keeping people safe, and the missional work of drawing in your enemies. How do you reach people with the gospel? Like just as a teaser, man, we do in our church have a team of six men and they have evacuated people from fire. They have moved people away from riots. They have done some pretty incredible stuff. They've repaired the homes of single women. They've dropped by to pray. They have braved blizzards. And there is something that is good and important in how appealing that image is. The life of adventure, the life of a battle to fight, in my dad's words, it is written into the soul. And it's a good thing to want. We do want people to get there. We simply know that anything we do out of self-saving, anything we do out of motivations besides love will do harm. The way into the life where exceptional things happen, bearing in mind that most of my life is resisting despair and parenting young kids and messes, and it is all of that. It's also more adventurous than it's ever been is I've asked more than ever, Jesus, lead me into this mission. Let many people be saved. That was good, man. Real quick, let these guys know where it is that they can get connected with what you guys are doing. Where do you want to send them? Where should they go? Yeah, thank you. So if you want to know more, if you want to, we have a podcast, we have blogs, we're beginning to roll out workshops and events. And So if you would like to see more of what we're talking about, test our thesis, you can find the blog, the podcast, the newsletter, information about workshops and events at mountvigil.org. M-O-U-N-T-V-I-G-I-L dot org. That's the place to keep up with what we're doing. 